Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wednesday, April 4th, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House and Langhorn PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet-Chesco. And Chet, what a week in Philly sports. The Villanova Wildcats dominated the Final Four to win the National Championship. The Sixers continue to win even after losing Joel Embiid. The Flyers are trying to make the last week of this playoff run really interesting. And Gabe Kapler's Phillies, whew, they gave us an opening weekend like we've never seen before, and uh, they've now lost again today. And, oh, yeah, the Eagles are Super Bowl 52 champions. Yeah, in fact, it is the two-month anniversary of that Eagles Super Bowl victory, by the way. Don't forget about Penn State winning the MIT championship. Hey, I'm an alum. I had to throw that in there. And as for Gabe, yeah, not exactly the first weekend or even full week that he or Phillies fans in general would have hoped for. You're right. Well, hey, we've got a lot to talk about with our special guest, Andrew Kay, the owner of the Philly Spectrum S, and Keith Pompey talking Sixers later on. It's going to be a fun show and a challenge for you and me, Bill, to squeeze everything in, but we're going to do it. You know it. Hey, before we get started, Chet, uh, as we said, the Phillies played today. They lost again, uh, but this game was on Facebook Live. Did you get a chance to see any of that? If so, thoughts on the new 2018 way of watching sports? I listened to the first six or seven innings on the radio while at my real job. And then when I got home, I tried watching it on Facebook Live starting at about 5.30. And just like Gabe Kapler managing his relievers, it did not go well, Bill. There was lots of, <laughs> lots of freezing up starts and stops. Just a stupid move on MLB's part, if you ask me. I mean, you can put games on there, sure, but why take away the television option for those games? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and and uh, I did have some of it on quickly. Uh, I didn't listen to it because I, I had other things going on, but I had it on the screen, and you're right, it kept freezing up. And uh, I'm not sure what that was about, but I guess overall they have, I think, three Phillies games. There's going to be games across the leagues, obviously, but uh, I think three or four Phillies games over the year are going to be on Facebook Live. Well, clearly they have some work to do and get some of these kinks ironed out because uh, I think it was pretty much a disaster today. Kind of like the Phillies bullpen last Saturday. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of the Phillies, uh, what a crazy opening weekend in Atlanta. Fourth new skipper, Gabe Kapler. And the Phillies are, uh, you know, they've got one win, and they're, they're a bad slide from being uh, down in Atlanta for being winless. 
Yeah, one and four, not the way you wanted to start. And Saturday was just awful. The whole uh, Holby Milner thing, you know, not warming up in the bullpen when Kapler called for him. A lack of communication, as he admitted. Uh, hopefully that stuff will get better. I mean, he's getting killed on social media and on sports talk radio. And a lot of it is deserved. But, I mean, you got to give the guy a chance. It's only been one week. Let's give the guy a chance, and, you know, maybe around Memorial Day we'll reassess the whole situation. Well, by Memorial Day, we might be looking for another sport to watch. I hope not, <laughs> but you know what? And you know some guys are going to get going, but as you sit here only just a handful of games in, you got J.P. Crawford hitting 067, Mikel Franco hitting 091, Nick Williams 091, Aaron Altair 059, my goodness. And they're striking out a lot. I mean, 15 strikeouts in today's game against the Mets. And they've had a couple other games where they hit double digits, I think, in uh, their batters striking out. So that's not good. That is definitely not something you want to see. And as you mentioned, some of the guys are really struggling. Might be time to give JP a day off. Well, actually, I think he's already had one day off, right, where Kingry started at that shortstop one game. Uh, you know, I don't. I just, you know, the only way you usually can get out of this is play your way out and uh, – you know, certainly they're not going to hit this way for a whole entire season, but it's not a good way to start when you've got about five of them doing that. No, and Kingry had uh, two multi-hit games, I think game two and three, and then he was not in the lineup today. So I'd like to see him in there more often, certainly. And yeah, as you mentioned, Franco striking out a couple of more times. Things are not going well, and I'm going to be at the home opener tomorrow, and I have a feeling that Mr. Kapler is going to hear a few boos when he gets introduced on opening day at Citizens Bank Park. Can you believe that? Well, I can believe it. But, you know, Chet, I have, a, I have an idea that will really work for Gabe Kapler because he's probably listening to our show right now. So oh, yeah. listen close, Gabe. When you get introduced tomorrow, be wearing an Eagles number nine jersey. <laughs> Well, Doug Peterson will be there throwing out the uh, first pitch, speaking of the Eagles. So uh, he'll certainly hear a nice round of applause. And, you know, we've we got to get a guest uh, on with us right now. And before you introduce him, I think that our guest, Andrew, needs a little intro music, given the topic. Well, you certainly can't go wrong by uh, getting an introduction from the boss himself. So, uh, we're we're going to talk more Phillies later on, but Chet, let's, as you said, welcome our first guest, making his first visit to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, a guy that really has a cool thing going. He's going to tell us all about it. He's become a bit of a celebrity himself. Andrew Kay, the owner of the Spectrum S. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, Bill. Chet, thanks for having me. Hey, Andrew. Uh, this is Chet. Great meeting you last year, and thanks very much for doing this. Now, I know the story, but for those who don't, how exactly did you end up with the S that was on the exterior of the Philly Spectrum for several years? Yeah, sure. So when they were knocking down the Spectrum, they had a large auction where you could buy anything. They're really trying to get, you know, every penny out of the Spectrum that they could at the end. And I'm a huge Grateful Dead fan, so I went on to the website. I wanted to see if they were auctioning off the Grateful Dead banner for their 53 shows at the Spectrum. turned out that they weren't auctioning that. Apparently, the uh, Grateful Dead sent one of their uh, roadies up into the rafters, and they took it. But I saw that they're auctioning off the letters, and you know, I was thinking, everyone's going to have seats to the Spectrum. I really wonder what someone's going to pay for the S that spelled Spectrum on the side of the arena. So I put a bid on it, thinking, you know, someone's going to probably outbid me, but I just want to see what someone would pay for it. Two weeks later, I got an email that I won, and then it was just like, well, 
What am I going to do with a six-foot S now? <laughs> hey, Andrew, you've collected a load of signatures. What was the driving force that finally you woke up one day and said, you know what, how cool will this be if I get a bunch of autographs on this? Yeah, so, you know, like I said, when I got it, it was just, uh, what, what am I going to do now? So, to be honest, it sat there for a year or two just in storage. And then I had a friend who was working for the Flyers, and I saw that they had an alumni event, and, you know, Brian Propp, Bernie Perron and Joe Watson were all going to be there. So I was like, you know what, it'd be really cool just to get a couple signatures on it. You know, a lot of people who had the Spectrum memorabilia, they were going to get some of these guys to sign. So I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to get some of these guys. So I talked to my friend. She was able to, you know, have it at the event and got them to sign it. And then um, the Flyers had invited me when uh, they were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Stanley Cup teams. Ed Snyder flew the team in for that celebration at the Flyers Wives Carnival. And I, it was on display at that event. So all of the Broad Street Bullies signed at that event, which was amazing. And then thinking about it, you know, they weren't really doing anything to keep the Spectrum memory alive. So I then wanted to kind of take it to the next level. So I started reaching out to the Sixers. The Sixers had it at their draft party when I got Dr. J, Moses Malone, Bobby Jones to sign, um, and Dal Dawkins. And then I was like, you know what? Flyers and Sixers weren't just it. You know, the musicians, I mean, every musician, every band played at the Spectrum. So then I started reaching out to the musicians. And I really wanted to make this, you know, the piece that keeps the memories of the Spectrum alive. I was lucky enough to meet Ed Snyder, who signed. And I had Ed sign really big right in the middle in white. Because I wanted to, you know, it was Ed's building. It was his baby. So I wanted him in the middle and really build the Spectrum story around him. And you know, every time that there's a signature and I post it on the social media or now on the website, you know, I get messages from people that, oh, my God, like Aerosmith was my first concert at the Spectrum. That's so cool about, you know, Steven Tyler signing. It's just it's great to really help people keep those memories alive because, I mean, who doesn't have a million memories from that building? Some big news in that, as you mentioned, you do have a website. It's now up and running. Tell us what exactly is on the site and how people can find it, too. Sure. So it's phillyspectrums.com. Uh, when you go onto the site, you can uh, browse through. I have uh, pictures and a bio of everyone who has signed the S, what the relevance was to the spectrum, links to all the press that the project has received. And lately I've been getting videos when after someone signs the spectrum, I get, you know, I ask them to share some of their spectrum memories because, you know, we all have our memories, and it's so cool to hear how special that building was, you know, to the athletes and the musicians that played at the Spectrum. So starting to document some of their memories as well, so you can watch that on there. Uh, there's a link where you can see a list of every single concert that was ever at the Spectrum. I love that. Um, so it's really cool because you're like, oh, I remember like I saw Bruce Springsteen sometime in the 80s there. I wonder when it was. So you could go there now, and you could see exactly what date he played there. My contact information is on there, and there's a box on the homepage where anyone could share their memories, and there will be a section on there for fan memories. Andrew, what I wanted to ask you is, is there some, maybe it's a somebody or a some band or somebody that you're really looking for that you got to get on there that you don't have yet? Would that be Springsteen or Billy Joel or one of those? Yes, your intro music was pretty spot on. Bruce Springsteen <laughs> is one of the top targets. Gary Talent, Max Weinberg, and little Stephen Van Zandt have all signed it already. So I do have members of the E Street Band on there, but there's a spot right in the middle of the S, you know, below where Ed Snyder signed, where I'm saving it for, you know, Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel. The Grateful Dead are a top target. I mean, they play the Spectrum more than any other band with 53 shows there. So really want to get them on there. Focusing on the uh, 83 Sixers championship team, 
uh, have a couple of the guys on there already. Want to get the rest of them, and you know, still don't have Sir Charles on there. So I mean, he was, oh wow, he was my Sixers idol. So uh, look forward to getting him on there one day soon. You know, now that I have such big names, especially music-wise, you know, Steven Tyler, Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers Band, and then Nancy Wilson of Heart, Robbie Krieger from the Doors. I mean, huge names on here: David Crosby, Fish, Pearl Jam. You know, now it's a little bit more legitimate. And when the bands, you know, I do reach out to their managers, they want to be a part of it because now they see, you know, it's such a cool thing. They can go to the website or the social media, see everyone that signed it. And it's like, I want to be on there, too. I want my name to be remembered in Spectrum history. Hey, you mentioned you uh, are a big Grateful Dead fan. Now, you're a young guy, Andrew. Did you ever see The Dead with Jerry Garcia or was he uh, before your time? No, not with Jerry Garcia. I was uh, 10 when he passed away, but... My uncle and his buddies are all big deadheads, and I was always the little guy that they brought along to shows. You know, <laughs> once Jerry passed, uh, obviously at 10 I wasn't going to shows, but you know, with Phil and Friends, Rat Dog, Further, all the kind of dead offshoots, I was always tagging along to shows. And you know, them and Pearl Jam are you know my two favorite bands. So so far, I do have uh, two members of Pearl Jam, which was really amazing, Jeff Amon and uh, Mike McCready. But uh, yeah. you know, next up is the Grateful Dead. Good luck. Thanks. Well, big question for you, Andrew. One is, what do you do with this in between events? And two, what do you plan on doing with it in the end? And is there an end? So that's the thing. There really isn't an end. I mean, everyone played the spectrum. So I could be filling this with signatures, you know, forever. I mean, every band, every athlete played there. I'm really sticking to Philadelphia athletes for the most part. Obviously, I mean, another top target is Christian Leitner. I mean, the most famous shot in college basketball happened at the spectrum. So I'd love to get Christian on there. But yeah, I really want to just keep the project going, keep the memories alive. Right now I am working on setting it up as a nonprofit. I've been really lucky to make such amazing contacts with the project. I've gotten amazing press. I mean, you know, Good Day Philadelphia, Press and Steve, Comcast Sportsnet's done a bunch on it, and now Philly Press Box Radio. So I want to use, you know, the contact and the press that I've received to really give back to the city of Philadelphia. So the mission of the nonprofit is going to be to assist local youth in achieving their dreams to one day play in an arena like the Spectrum. So um, once it's set up, I'll be doing different fundraising events and raising money to help rebuild some of the basketball courts in the city and help fund some of the music programs in the city to, you know, give, give some of the local kids that opportunity to, you know, play with some of these heroes that I have, you know, on the S here. Andrew, I know you saw the story that I wrote Monday evening. I reflected on my first visit to the Spectrum when I was a 10-year-old kid. I saw Wilt in 1967. Yes, I'm old. Uh, that was his final <laughs> season as a Sixer. And then I did see Bruce Springsteen's final show there in October 2009. Certainly two of my top memories of the building, some 42 years apart. Now, you haven't been around nearly as long as Bill or me, of course, but how about a few of your early Spectrum, you know, Spectrum memories from your youth? Speak for yourself, Chesco. You're old, Bill. <laughs> Compared to me, I'll give you guys that. You're not old. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my, I mean, my earliest memories were going to Flyers games. And, I mean, I was I idolized Ron Hexton, Eric Lindros. So, you know, I, I just remember going to games and just, like, literally watching Ron Hextall the entire game. Even if the puck was on the other end, I was watching Ron Hextall. And, you know, when I would play street hockey with all my friends, I'd always have to be goalie so I could be Ron Hextall. You know, slap the post with a stick, just everything Ron Hextall did. So, you know, meeting him in Lindros was so incredible. Sixers games, I mean, going to see Charles Barkley was just like, wow, like how can you not love basketball after watching Charles Barkley play? And then I'm a huge, huge music fan. So, I mean, some of my favorite concerts, I will admit the first time 
first concert I ever saw at the Spectrum was New Kids on the Block when I was five. I'm not proud of it. But <laughs> then I did see, like, all of my favorite bands. I mean, I saw the Foo Fighters there. I actually snuck into a Foo Fighters concert there. Nice. It's a pretty funny story, and I hope one day I could tell Dave Grohl about it. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I saw, I saw Fish there. I saw Pearl Jam there. I saw the last Pearl Jam show there, which was just, like, incredible to see one of my two favorite bands closing out the arena that I just grew up in, that all of my memories are in. And, you know, I still remember as they were playing Yellow Ledbetter, they put all the lights on and no one was cheering. Everyone was just like taking in the moment and just like looking around because they knew it was the last time that they would ever step foot in the spectrum. And like even walking out of the spectrum that night, no one was really talking. Everyone was just like really just taking it in, getting, you know, that last breath of that, you know, dirty spectrum air. <laughs> It was just awesome. All of my childhood memories started there. My love for sports, my love for music all started in that building. So to be able to, you know, help others keep the memories alive and keeping the memories alive for myself, too, is just such an awesome, awesome thing. Well, Andrew, to take you back to, to your Ed Snyder comments, uh, I kind of intriguing. It's a great idea to put him in white kind of in the center is really, really a creative idea by you. But uh, what did Mr. Snyder think of the project as the as the father of the building? Uh, it was he obviously he was very supportive of it. He was, and he was really early in the project. So I mean, I have pictures of it. At the time, all of the flyers were signing at the top of the S because you know they're all in their seventies now, so no one was really bending over <laughs> to sign at the bottom. But I mean, at the time, it looked really cool. So I've been color coding it too. So all the flyers sign in orange, all the six are signed in red, the band sign in gold, uh, old WWF wrestlers in green, and then miscellaneous in gray. So it was really cool at the time. It was only flyers. So like the top was filled with orange signatures and right in the middle is just like this big white signature of Ed Snyder. And he was just like, he, he really was just such a nice guy. I mean, you always hear such amazing stories about what he's done for the city and like, just to meet him and see how humble he was. And like, you could just tell he really did care about Philadelphia. And, you know, I told him what my goal was with the project, what I was trying to do. And he was just like, this is awesome. He, and he said, I can't wait to see this in five or 10 years, just so I can oh, look wow. at it and say, you know, this person meant this to me, this person, you know, I remember this Flyers game with this player, this Sixers game. So it was really a cool moment. I was really happy that I was able to get him on here, you know, build the story around him and, you know, keep it going. Hey, you're still trying to get Sylvester Stallone, are you not? He was in town yesterday. Yeah, he's in town right now filming Creed 2. So I'm uh, kind of reaching out to everyone that I know to try and get him on there because both of the uh, Rocky Creed fights took place at, you know, what they say is the Spectrum. I know that they didn't film it at the Spectrum, but it was the Spectrum that it took place. So, right. yeah, I mean, he's another top target. I would really love to get him on here. Um, another fun signature, I mean, like you guys said before, congratulations to the Villanova Wildcats, I mean, amazing to see them win two championships in the past three years, keep the winning streak in Philadelphia. But uh, I was lucky enough, Jay Wright did sign the S as well a couple, uh, yep. about two years ago. Um, Jay Wright, the Villanova Wildcats were the last college basketball team to play at the Spectrum. They played oh, wow. and Jay Wright was the coach at the time. So I wanted to make sure to get Jay on there as well. So really excited to have him on there and you know, even more excited to see them win another championship. Hey, Andrew, one, one other question I have for you is, so far, I believe, all the signatures are on the front. Uh, yep. Is there a plan to go to the sides, and you're going to try to go to the back and keep it going, or does that affect uh, how ultimately you'll be able to display it, or are we just going to keep loading her the best we can? I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. So there is no back. It is hollow, but, I mean, oh. the sides, definitely. I mean, 
you know, hopefully I don't run out of room. Uh, there are little spots here and there, and I'm trying to tell people to sign a little bit smaller. It's really tough when you're, <laughs> you know, it, it's tough when you're meeting one of your idols. It's tough, you know, when you're meeting, you know, Robbie Krieger from the doors or Trey Anastasio from fishing. Like, yeah, it's great to meet you. Do you mind signing really small? Like, how do you say that to someone? You know, it's <laughs> exactly. Like, it's so tough. So like, I try to like point out like where I want to sign them and like, you know, make it seem like, Oh, sign right here and like show them a small spot. But you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, it's so cool to meet these people, hear their stories and, you know, just keep the memories going. Andrew, uh, before we let you go, just wanted to uh, get your opinion. What is your take on the Philly sports scene right now? Certainly a lot better than it was three years ago, I guess. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's very exciting. I mean, Flyers and uh, Eagles are my, like, top, top team. I mean, seeing the Eagles win the Super Bowl, it, it still hasn't sunk in. And I feel like it's going to be until the home opener. I mean, even, you know, partying on Broad Street the night that they won it, you know, the parade, everything was amazing. But, like, I feel like until I'm actually in Lincoln Financial Field at that home opener and, like, being just surrounded by, you know, <laughs> 80,000 of my best friends cheering it on, that's when I think it'll really sink in. But, you know, the Flyers – haven't been playing the best hockey lately, but they have a bright future. I mean, Nolan Patrick, Travis Konechny, I mean, they have such young, great guys. And, you know, Carter Hart, I know, is coming up, so hopefully our goaltending yep. woes will uh, be over soon. Um, Sixers, I was just at the Sixers game last night. I mean, to see them just dominate last night without Dario, without Embiid, I mean, just impressive how well they're playing. And, you know, the Phillies, the Phillies are going to be fine. You know, they, it's early. It's a new coach. Everyone's on this coach. But, you know, what coach came into Philadelphia and didn't have to hear it from the media. So, you know, Kapler's getting a rough time right now, but as soon as he wins the series, as soon as he, you know, as soon as the Phillies beat the crap out of some team, everyone's going to love him again. I mean, everyone's been calling for Brett Brown's head. I mean, Andy Reid at the end, everyone's chasing him out. I mean, what coach wasn't, you know, abused by the Philadelphia media and fans? It's a tough city to play in, but he'll, he'll turn it around. They have, some, they have a lot of young talent and some good hope coming up. Well, Andrew, hey, before we wrap it up, tell us again uh, your website. Uh, I know you're on Twitter. You're all over the place. Give us, uh, give us where people can look you up and uh, get your information. Sure. So it's uh, www.phillyspectrums.com. And then uh, on social media, there's a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram page. The uh, Facebook and Instagram page, I uh, post pictures of everyone who signed similar to the website, but it's a, you know, it's a real-time place where you can keep up to date. Every, uh, you know, all the social media handles are Philly Spectrum S. And the Twitter account has been really fun. Um, I've been using that uh, concert listing that I talked about. And every day I put out a tweet on this date in Spectrum concert history. And I post every concert that happened on that particular date. So, you know, it's a really fun way to, you know, every day kind of be involved. I know that um, today, for example, Jimmy Page and, Robert Plant from uh, Red Zeppelin played the Spectrum in 1995. So check it out, you know, follow along and, you know, together we're all going to keep the Spectrum alive. You know, it's not there anymore, but, you know, it's been a fun project. We'll keep the memories alive. And, you know, once I get the nonprofit, I really look forward to helping, you know, the local youth, you know, achieve their dreams, you know, give them the opportunity so that they can play in the Spectrum, in the, you know, whatever the Spectrum is at the, that time. Awesome. Very good. That's awesome stuff, Andrew. Hey, Really cool project. We're glad you could come join us. And good luck chasing those rest of those guys down. And I love the way you document all the stuff now, all the different people. They all seem to come with smiles when uh, when they're signing that thing. It's really cool. Yeah, it was a special place for all of us, even those who performed there. I mean, they, they, they knew how special it was, too. So 
Thank you guys. Really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, hope to see you guys soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks you, Peter. All right. Take care, guys. Let's find out what's happening at our favorite bar and restaurant from the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn. We say hello to Chris Gaskell. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chet. By the way, you guys recently celebrated your fifth anniversary at your Bellevue Avenue location, and March marked your one-year anniversary of teaming with Philly Press Box Radio. We thank you for your support. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's been a blast. All right. Hey, Chris, what is coming up at the Irish Rover? Well, we are really excited that it's Philly season. So starting Thursday, if you come on in during any game, uh, we've got Bud Giraffes for 225, and then we've got our stadium tot menu, great tater tots with all kinds of delicious toppings. And uh, once a month, we'll have a tailgate party, and we'll be giving away Philly tickets. And Mother's Day is right around the corner, May 13th. We do a beautiful brunch here, so come treat mom and all the women in your life to a lovely brunch. And I don't know how good the band is that's there this Saturday night, but I love the name, the Polish Nannies. They are actually so much fun. <laughs> That's a great name, isn't it? Yes, indeed. It all happens at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hey, that's a great lead-in to the Sixers, Jeff, because they're beating everybody. And I know, yeah, I know every night. I know every night they play. You text me. You're more excited than you were the game before. This team's actually going to win 50 games. It looks like. Sure, looks like they might. I mean, they need to win three of their final five to do that, and that's pretty amazing when you consider that two years ago they won 10 games total. Now, as we speak, they've won 11 in a row. Of course, two years ago, Joel Embiid had yet to play an NBA game, and there was no Ben Simmons with the team as yet. Yeah, and you know what? They, they've they added some really good other pieces, too, besides these superstars. And, and you know, we, we talk about the process and all that stuff, but, the, you know, there's been some misses in this with Nerlens Noel and Jelly Alokafer that didn't pan out, but they've hit the hit the jackpot with uh, Embiid and Simmons, it looks like. Yeah, they sure have. <laughs> they sure have. Well, hey uh, – we had a little scheduling snafu with Mr. Keith Pompey because he was supposed to be live, but uh, he's not live because the Sixers have a game tonight. You did have a yeah, They're in Detroit. Today. They are in Detroit, so uh, we had to improvise. And how did we make and, that? Well, uh, Keith is great, and I think he's becoming more of a believer as long as Embiid is able to get back at some point during the opening round of the playoffs anyway. And I, of course, asked him about Embiid, uh, Simmons, possible opening round playoff opponents, and all that fun stuff. And as I say that, we're having a little technical difficulty with our blog talk radio folks. So I was unable to load the interview ahead of time, so I'm going to have to improvise and play it through my speaker and hold the phone up to it, just like they did back in 1935. So we're going to give that a shot, if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's give it a whirl, and if it doesn't work, we'll give it another whirl. Well, he covers the 76ers for the Inquirer and Philly.com. Keith Pompey, thanks for finding some time for us, Keith. Hey, man, thanks for having me. First question, Keith, any update on Joel Embiid, who suffered that orbital bone fracture around his eye last week, plus a concussion, and then had surgery on Saturday? Not really. I mean, it's basically the same. I mean, Joel has yet to uh, rejoin the team. Um, Yesterday, they had team photo day. He wasn't there. You know, aside from communicating with coaches on Facebook, and, you know, some of the guys may go over and, and visit him, like a Markel Fawkes or a couple of his good friends on the team. But he has not been around the team. You know, I'm thinking it's going to be anywhere from two to four weeks. 
you know, they think that he'll be back for the first round. They're hopeful that he will be back for the first round of the playoffs. Yep, we shall see. The 76ers riding that 11-game win streak as we speak really want home court advantage in the opening round of the playoffs, of course. But, Keith, does it matter if they're the third seed or the fourth seed? What is the best round one matchup for them? Um, it it kind of does. I mean, if you look at it right about now, I mean, because you're looking at matchups, and if they're the fourth seed, the way it looks like right now, if the Sixers are the fourth seed, the Indiana Pacers are going to finish fifth. You know, I don't think without a Joel Embiid that they match up well with them. You know, now who's to say that Embiid, you know, he could come back the first game, he could come back the third game. But I just feel as if that it's going to be tough for them to beat the Indiana Pacers without him. And then you look at another team, like right now, you know, the Miami Heat, you know, I think that having home field advantage in the first round, you know, really will help the 76ers out against uh, Miami. Right now, it looks like Miami will, will probably finish, you know, with the sixth slot. Hey, what are your impressions of Markel Fultz since his return early last week? And will Fultz be a key contributor once the playoffs begin? You know, the more and more I see Markel Fultz play, I, I get more impressed with him. You know, right now, a lot of people are saying, well, he's not shooting three-pointers. You know, I get it. But the fact that he's out there shooting the ball at all and making baskets is a step in the right direction. I mean, you look at him, and every time he scores a basket, people are like, wow, wow. And even on press row, you have guys, like, hurrying up and going to the replay so they can hear it to see what he does. So I think that he will be a contributor. He seems like he's a guy who can create his own shot, and that's what the 76ers will need in the playoffs. Now, how many minutes they play him, you know, that's to be determined. But I think that he can come in and be like an emergency-type player for the Sixers in the playoffs. Got to talk about Ben Simmons. Simmons wrapping up what's been a very impressive rookie season. Was he about what you thought he'd be, or did he exceed your expectations? I mean, I had a, you know, the thing about it is when you tell me, and I don't care how athletic the person is, but when you tell me you're going to take a power forward, a power forward who can't consistently shoot the ball from the outside or who doesn't want to shoot the ball from the outside, and you're going to tell me that he's going to be a walking triple-double and, and he's going to get to the rim as easily as he can and be able to guard point guards, I would have tell you that you're lying or you're crazy or you don't know basketball. And you're looking at this guy, and he's just doing all the things that I just spoke of. You know, Ben Simmons is, is playing phenomenal this year, way better than I expected. Is he the rookie of the year? Yeah, he is. But you know what? The thing about the rookie of the year is so subjective. Like, you know, I have a vote, you know, and there are other people who have a vote. I think that right now, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, if he keeps putting up these numbers, people, even if they don't want to vote for him, are going to feel guilted into voting for him. But, again, a lot of times you vote for people who you see and you look at stats and stuff like that. So I believe he should get it, but nothing surprises me in this you know, when it comes down to elite voting. Yep. Now, Dario Saric started the year off slowly but has played really great the last couple of months. I know he's missed the last couple of games. He's not playing tonight but should be back Friday. How important is Dario to the fate of the Sixers in the postseason? The thing about it is, you know, when you have Dario and then you have Ersan coming off the bench, you know, you, you, your team is deeper, you know. Um, and I think that right now Dario and Ben Simmons have really been clicking well, like, there was a time early in the season when you would see errant passes, you know, because of lack of communication. 
now it just seems like they're on one accord. And with that being said, and, and um, you know, the Sixers are better. Another thing is, you know, Dario has been sticking this three-pointers, so that helps with the spacing. So I think that having him back for that success. Well, you mentioned the depth. J.J. Redick and Marco Bellinelli have both been playing really well during this streak. The Sixers are a really deep team, as you said. What's the situation going to be when Embiid and Dario are back? How are they going to play everybody? You know, that's a tough question right there. But, you know, I, I think that a guy like C.J. Uh, McConnell, unfortunately, you know, a guy like uh, Justin Anderson, those type of guys are going to be the ones who are going to take the hit. You have to play Marco. You have to play, you know, um, Ersan. And another guy who's going to take a hit is probably going to be a Rashawn Holmes. You know, that you can't justify going out there, bringing in these guys, and, and then you have Markel Folk who can get his own, who can get to the rim, create his own shot. You cannot justify not playing them. So, I, unfortunately for TJ, unfortunately for Rashawn, I think they're going to be the three guys to take the hit. Well, that leads me right into my next question. Bill and I have often wondered about this. When Embiid is healthy, Rashawn Holmes seems to be kind of an afterthought. Does Brett Brown really like what Amir Johnson gives the team that much more than Rashawn? I mean, yeah. See, the thing about Amir Johnson is the things that Amir Johnson does do not show up in the in the stat sheet. You know, Amir, if you look at it, all, like you talk to Marco, you talk to other guys, they rave over playing with him because what he does is he sets the screen. He does the dirty stuff, and it's the things that open up space for them. You know, like when Ben is coming down. Next time, pay attention, like, to when Ben's coming down, and you'll see Ben pointing to Amir, and he's basically saying, I need you to get here. I need you to take this guy out with a hard pick so I can get to the rim. So when you're playing with Amir, it's basically helping others out to get their shot up, and that's what Brett Brown likes. You know, and don't get me wrong, Rashawn is a great player. You know, great. He brings athleticism. He has, like, these sports center type highlights. But when it gets down to someone who's willing to do the dirty work, that's what Amir Johnson is, and that's the reason why he plays. Gotcha. Hey, I'm sure you watched the NCAA championship the other night. How impressed are you with what Jay Wright has done at Villanova over the last several years? I mean, so impressed that sometimes you have to say, hey, well, how long is he going to stay at Villanova? <laughs> I mean, Jay Wright has done a phenomenal job. You know, I don't really get to watch much college basketball anymore just because of covering the Sixers and being away all the time. But I will say that, you know, I watched maybe three of their games, you know, this season, and I've been extremely impressed with the discipline the team has, how uh, fundamentally sound they are, and, you know, just the way they play. I mean, the ruggedness and, you know, they do all the right things. And, And that's a credit to Jay Wright. And then something else I will say is, you know, I'm looking at this team, and then I'm looking at teams from years ago, and it's the same thing. So you know it's the coach. Gotcha. Hey, our other guest this week is Andrew Kay, who owns the Philly Spectrum S. Just wondering, Keith, do you have a favorite memory or two from the old Spectrum? Um, you know, I remember my first memory was when I was a kid. I went down there. My father took me down there to see the Sixers play. And I saw Dr. J's son as a ball boy, and I was jealous of him because he was a ball boy. That was my first memory. <laughs> and then, I guess, but my favorite memory was Michael Jordan's rookie year, and he came there, and he put on a show. You know what I mean? And as a kid, you know, you see Jordan, and you see Doc, you know, arguably. Not arguably, but at that particular time, in my opinion, they were the two best players in the league. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. 
Refresh my memory. What do the Sixers have in the way of draft picks or potential picks this June? Man, they have. It, it, it's crazy because I mean the thing about it, so much can happen. Right. Like, you know, right now they'll, they'll have like one or two. They could have up to probably like two draft picks, and then first rounders, and then they got like five second rounders. So they have a lot. They could have seven draft picks this year. I don't expect them to keep seven draft picks, but it could go that way. I mean, it's crazy. Like. I say, like, if the Laker pick goes to number one, the Sixers get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's crazy. I mean, I, I don't, it's so much that can happen for the 76ers this year that's crazy. But just know that they could have two first-round picks and five second-round picks. <laughs> All right, final question, Keith. What is your prediction? We don't know the matchups yet, of course, but can the Sixers win a round, two rounds, or what? I guess it's hard to answer that question until you find out when Embiid's coming back. Yeah. Like, without Embiid, I mean, you know, right now they are on a great stretch, a great run. We have to realize that most of the majority of that happened with Embiid on the floor. You know, like they defeated who? They defeated Charlotte um, without him. You know, they defeated uh, the Nets without him. You know, so that's, that's two of the three games they won without him. And it, it, it's one of those things where they're not like the top teams in the league. So until we see them go up against tonight, Detroit, Friday, against the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's hard to say how good this team is going to be when they go up against elite squads. And Detroit is an elite squad, but they do have an Andre Drummond, who's a tough hit, you know, someone who will try to do his own, do his best, try to dominate the pitchers tonight. So it's tough to say. So I will have to say, like, without Embiid, I don't know if they can win in the first round. With Embiid, I think they could win in the first round and and lose in the second round to probably like Toronto or, or someone like that. All right. Hey, thanks for doing this, Keith. Always great to get your insight on all things Sixers. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, Jack, great improvising there. It uh, it came out great. You could hear it really good. And uh, and as always, Keith was excellent. Yeah, Keith knows his stuff. And he gave a great answer regarding why Amir Johnson gets more playing time than Rashawn Holmes when Embiid is out. And, you know, I still like to see Rashawn more than we do, but uh, it was a good answer, and it makes sense. It was an excellent answer, and and certainly shed some light on things. And, and, you know, something I was going to mention to you, and you guys mentioned it in in the interview, sit behind the radar this uh, Embiid-Simmons deal, and I, I guess I just have missed it. J.J. Riddick is that still averaging almost 17 points a game and, and has played the third most minutes on the team, fourth most minutes on the team. Uh, he's really done well. Yeah, he has, and he can uh, really get hot and shoot the lights out some nights. And uh, when, when he's on, he is really, really good still. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's back with the team next year because you know, he, got, he got just the one-year deal, so we shall see. Yeah, for what, uh, $24 million. Not a bad deal. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Well, hey, good stuff and uh, great job with Keith. And let's go Sixers. They're rolling into the playoffs. Yep. And speaking of moving on, it is time to put you, Bill, back on the hot seat because it is week six of season two of Random Q2. Uh, Once again, Random Q2 is this little 10-week thing that we do. We did it last year. We're doing it again this year. I asked 
questions. The first question about a sports topic, something timely usually, while the second question will be one of ten random questions that have already been written down weeks and weeks ago about whatever. Bill will be picking a number from one to ten each week for that one. There's only, I guess, five left at this point. That'll be the second question for the week. We limit the segment to two minutes, so here we go. This Saturday night, Bill, HBO will premiere the movie Paterno about the legendary Penn State coach and the 2011 Jerry Sandusky scandal based largely on the accounts of a Harrisburg Patriot News reporter's findings. The question is, will you watch and why or why not? I will not watch ever, 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 ever. Why is that? Well, you know, you can make a story like that go however you want it to go. And we all already know that that's what Hollywood's all about. So, um, you know, somebody could come in and make it look like it was a Rose Garden story, and somebody could come in and make it look like trash. And finding the middle is not always easy, and, and certainly using the facts is uh, certainly not the case in Hollywood movies very often. It doesn't sell. And, of course, yeah, I got you. I'll be watching, of course, because I'm just curious to see how they do it, and I want to see how Al Pacino plays Paternal. Uh, the previews look like he nails it. Uh, but anyway, that's that's your first question. Your second question this week, Bill, I need you to pick one of these numbers, 2, 3, 5, 7, or 10. Uh, well, let's go 10. Number 10. Let me see. I've got to, got to find number 10 now. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is. I was hoping you were going to save this one, but you picked it, so okay. we're going to give you number 10. All right. And if I had Molly Q queued up, I would have played uh, girls, 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 because your question is, and we're going to keep this clean. Back in your formative years, Bill, did you ever have a poster or two or three of a beautiful actress or supermodel hanging on your wall? And if so, give me names. One. And it's the same yep. one everybody had. And that would be that Farrah Fawcett. Who didn't have that? <laughs> I had that one. I had uh, Raquel. I had Cheryl Teagues. I had Cheryl Ladd. And yes, TV's Wonder Woman, Linda Carter. Plus, I had one of Keith Richards' current wife of the, uh, the past 34 years, in fact, model Patty Hansen. So, yeah, I loved those uh, supermodel posters back in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, I can say I only had one, and uh, the rest were pretty much uh, football and baseball players. But uh, I did have I had those two. I had those two. There wasn't a blank space on my wall. It was pretty much covered with posters of models and football and basketball players and rock stars. So there you go. There you go. I (laughs) caught you off guard with that, didn't I? You thought I was going to say none. I didn't know. I thought maybe you would have one or two. And if you did have one, I thought it would be Farris. So who didn't have that one? Uh, There you go. All right. Hey, Chet, what about the Flyers? They can't beat the teams that they should beat to put this playoff run away. They might not make it. They're going to make it. The magic number is three points based on Flyers and Panthers games that are remaining, so they will make it. I have faith. The numbers crunchers, in fact, say they're still 93% certain to make it. Doesn't guarantee it, but that's pretty good odds. The question, Bill, is who the heck is going to be in goal? Brian Elliott has started practicing again. Michael Neuvert is day-to-day. Don't know when exactly he'll be ready. Peter Mrazek, still the guy getting the bulk of the work, although he hasn't been great. And Alex Lyon is still hanging around. It is a crazy scene in the Flyers' goal picture. picture. Well, I think, I think Lyons is going to be out. I don't think he's going to be the guy. Uh, Neuvert, that you just can't depend on him. I, I think it's going to be Mrazek. I really do. And, and, you know, I'm not sure that how bad that is, but 
uh, especially once you get to the playoffs. But gosh, they got to play better. You can't be down four to one after two periods to a team you have to beat. Well, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Brian Elliott. As soon as they can get him, you know, 90% healthy, he's going to be the guy because he did play pretty well when he was healthy. I just hope that he's going to be ready within the next week because it is very close to playoff time. Yeah, well, and that's my concern. Is he, is he ready? And you certainly uh, – I know you're probably being facetious with the 90%, but you can't, you can't go in there unless you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, yeah, I I'm mentioned ready. several times over those fla- uh, last few weeks, Chad, about the season that that Claude Giroux is having. He now has 97 points with two games to go, um, shooting for that 100. By the way, Chad, the last fire to score 100 points was that Eric Lindros in 95-96 with 115 points, so it's been a long time for a flyer to hit 20, 100 points. Yeah, G has been terrific, absolutely. He could even be a finalist for the Hart Trophy. He came up big on Sunday in the win over the Bruins, and I would love to see him hit the 100-point mark. As you said, it has been a long time since the flyer has done that. Yeah, me too. And also got his 30th goal uh, last night, so uh, boy, he's had a heck yep. of a year. He's done, Great done year. just about everything. Wait, Chad, what about those little Wildcats? I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen a guy just put a team on his shoulders like Dante DiVincenzo did Monday night. Yeah, that was pretty special. Unlike in 1985, the amazing upset of Georgetown, and unlike two years ago when a buzzer beater decided the championship, Nova made it look easy this year, Bill. They cruised past both Kansas in the semifinal and then Michigan in the final once they got going. Very impressive. And, yeah, DiVincenzo was amazing and he is on the cover of Sports Illustrated this week as a result. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I mean, when, when they came out against Kansas and shot the lights out, and, and even Jay Wright was shaking his head a little bit about, hey, you can't keep doing that. Well, it took them about, uh, what, seven minutes to get started when DiVincenzo got in the game uh, the other night, and it just never slowed down. I mean, they just shot the lights out. They're a good team. Very good team, and yeah, Jay Wright is something else. Yeah, and let me tell you this. I was on the road today driving, and I was listening to a little uh, college sports radio, and you know that this team only has three seniors, and none of them started. And Mikkel Bridges looks like he's going to be a lottery pick and leave early, but the the gurus were saying that Jalen Brunson is not a lottery pick and there would be no reason for him not to come back for his senior year and possibly hmm. be able to win three national championships because everybody else is back. Wow, that would be something if he did come back. I don't know if it would be a smart move on his part, but, yeah, if he's not going to be a lottery pick, maybe you're right. And uh, he's certainly a great player, the Naismith Player of the Year, so Jay Wright would probably be okay with it. Well, I'm sure he would. I mean, and certainly that's not my opinion. That was the opinion of uh, national national guys who also said that uh, Amari Spellman is a pro also, but uh, he's just a freshman. So he, he may be a little bit, you know, he may be a year away and come back. So you could have everybody back except for uh, for Bridges, and supposedly they have a great recruiting class coming in. And I would love to see Jay do it again. There aren't a whole lot of coaches out there who've won three national titles, so uh, Jay's going to give it a shot next year. Well, and I, I was going to throw that out. We talked briefly last week about the Jay Wright legacy, and uh, I asked you, are you ready to put Jay onto Mount Rushmore? Yeah, I am indeed. I mean, the Big Five has had some great coaches, from Jack Ramsey to Chuck Daly to Raleigh Massimino to John Chaney and others. But 
Jay Wright is absolutely at the top of the heap in terms of the big five. And as we did say last week, he's in the top three or top five now of all time Philly coaches in any sport. Well, I tell you what I really thought was cool in this game. And, and, you know, you see it a lot in other sports as well, I guess. But it just really, I noticed it a lot, is all the older players that came back, some of them not so old, and we're all part of the celebration, all part of the family thing that Jay's got going on. And it's, uh, you know, winning breeds winning, as they say. Yeah, and, and that's nice. I love when that is the case at Villanova or other colleges like that, when, you know, the alumni get back and get into it. Uh, they're certainly doing something right at Nova. Yep, well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the with Brunson. Uh, certainly, as you say, he'd be a welcome addition back. And uh, if he comes back, along with everybody else they've already got, they're loaded up. Yeah, they are. They are. All right. Well, hey, great job, and congratulations to the 2018 National Champion, Villanova Wildcats. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, Chad, hey, you continue your role with uh, more great guests tonight. So who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, as you'll recall, we were originally going to have former Phil's announcer Chris Wheeler on with us this week, but he had to postpone. The good news is we will have Wheels on with us next week, and it'll be very interesting to get his take on Gabe Kapler and all things Phillies. Hopefully the Phils will have more than one win by next Wednesday. Plus, we will talk Flyers hockey with terrific beat writer Sam Carcidi of the Inquirer and Philly.com. We will somehow, of course, squeeze in Sixers and Eagles draft talk, too, because that's important. And there's, there's just a lot to talk about this month, Bill. There sure is, and uh, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. and I, Did you know that, by the way? I uh, heard that. It, yeah. And, you know, there's been no offseason because they played so long. The action started immediately, and it's like there's been no offseason. They're making moves every day, too. Yeah, they signed a former Packers tight end today, as a matter of fact, uh, Rodgers. And we're talking about the draft already because the draft is, what, three weeks away from now. So uh, it's getting close. Yeah, and they uh, they signed a linebacker yesterday. You, you're aware of that. Paul Warlow, who is a uh, yeah. Delaware Blue Hen and uh, Wilmington, Delaware native. I don't know a whole lot about him. I didn't read up on that, so I don't know how big a deal that is. But, uh, hey, how he's making the moves. I love it. Yeah, I think it's a depth, depth move, but he's a six-year veteran, so uh, he can play. He's been around the league. Yep. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Hey, Chad, a couple quick signings to mention uh, coming up this weekend at Carl's Cards Collectible Super Bowl 52 champion Eagles. We have to keep throwing that out there. Chris Maragos and Camu. Grugier Hill will be in the store. And then on next Saturday, the 14th, 1960 Eagles world champion Pete Retzlaff and Maxie Bond in the store. And Phillies 1980 World Series champions Bob Walk and Ozzy Virgil Jr. on April 21st. So three straight weekends of champions going to be at Carl's Cards and Collectibles. And also the fan cave in the Rockvale Outlet in Lancaster will be having Michael Vick in their store on April 14th. Check you up for any of those guys. Hey, you never know. And, you know, I have a feeling Carl will book several <laughs> other current and former Eagles in the months ahead. Carl is a wise man. Oh, absolutely. He knows. Uh, he got his batteries all recharged up down here at Clearwater. He's got a lot going on over there in Havertown. Yes, indeed. Hey, I, I, while we have a minute, I just want to get your take on 
the Phils and Gabe Kapler. I know we talked about it at the top of the show, but are you on board with the whole analytics thing, or do you want to see more old-time baseball where you just go with you know instinct and you know maybe just some other matchup stuff, but not all the numbers crunching that these guys do today? Well, you know me, Chad. I'm an old dinosaur. <laughs> you know, I know. I'm sure that answer surprised you, but you know what? You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. It's uh, it's not rocket science. It's football. You block and tackle. I mean, it, you know, it's not. You can't tell me that uh, when you get to the pro level that this guy is not going to be able to do this or do that because numbers say it. I just don't buy it. You know, I just don't. Yeah, and, you know, I know a lot of fans are really turning on Kapler already, and with good reason. He hasn't had a good first week, as we discussed. But I'm hoping that, A, people will give him a chance, and, B, that things do improve because – I don't want another ugly season. I mean, you know, the last two years were pretty bad, especially the first half of last season. But uh, they got a lot of young talent. And if Kapler's not the guy, that's going to be a shame because it's it's a wasted season in that case. Yeah, well, and, and we got to give him we got to give him more than five games. But uh, oh, we do. You know, yeah, we we got to give him a little bit of time and and get things going. But at the end of the day, you, you can't you got to say. You can't have guys coming to the park not knowing if they're going to play today or what position they're going to play today. You know, we got. You know, I don't get batting the pitcher eighth and not ninth. You know, I mean, there's things like that I just don't get. But um, at the end of the day, you got to put guys in, let them work through slumps, and especially young kids that you know are going to struggle because they've never been to the big leagues before for a long period of time. Got to let them play this out and not keep yanking them in and out of the lineup. And as you know, I'm a guy who's been uh, promoting patience, and I really believe that, and I want everybody to give him a chance, you know, at least a month or two for crying out loud. But I'll tell you this at the same time, Vince Velasquez is, I believe, starting tomorrow for the home opener. And if he doesn't do well, I'm pretty much ready to pull the plug on the Vince Velasquez as a starter experiment. Yeah, I mean, just so inconsistent. He can come in there and strike out, you know, eight, nine, ten, and then walk six and give up five hits, you know, and where he looks like he's got great stuff and makes some hitters look terrible, and the next guy, you know, hits a line drive off the wall. Yeah, I'm hoping that he has one of his good days tomorrow because I don't want to sit through a, you know, eight-to-one defeat. Yeah, well, and uh, that Hobie Milner, uh, I believe he did something today that hasn't been done since 2008. He has now pitched in or I guess it was yesterday. He's now pitched in the first four games of the season. I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. Yep. There you go. All right. Well, Mr. Chesco, we are just about right on time. Do you have a parting shot? Of course I do. To some younger generation basketball fans, the only thing they could tell you about Maurice Cheeks is that he's the guy who, while head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, helped a young girl get through the national anthem when she forgot the words. That was before a playoff game 15 years ago this month. Well, that was certainly a memorable assist, but Cheeks had some 8,300 other assists during a stellar 15-year NBA career, the first 11 seasons of which were spent with the 76ers. When casual fans think about Philadelphia's 1982-83 championship team, they'll likely think of Andrew Toney and Hall of Famers Julius Irving and Moses Malone before remembering just how important the point guard was to that group. Cheeks was something of a calming force on Billy Cunningham's star-studded squad, 
and an underrated player after averaging 12.5 points and 6.9 assists per contest during the regular season that year. He upped his game further in the 1983 playoffs when he averaged 16.3 points in helping the Sixers to 12 wins in 13 postseason games and the city's second NBA title. Who could forget Moe's rare dunk and the smile on his face in the final minute of the clinching game in Los Angeles as the Sixers completed a final sweep of the Lakers? His career numbers, especially his per-game average of 11.1 points, will pale in comparison to most basketball Hall of Famers. But sometimes Hall voters really are wise enough to look past the numbers. We learned last week that Mo Cheeks will join Grant Hill, Ray Allen, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, and others as part of the Hall's 2018 class this September. Congrats, Mo. Well-deserved. Very good. Couldn't say it better, Mr. Chesko. And with that, we've reached the top of the hour. I'm going to hold on to my parting shot. I had one, but we don't have time for it. So let's thank our special guests, Keith Pompey, Andrew Kay, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, April 11th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet, at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. And Chet, not only high hopes Philadelphia sports fans, but the Villanova Wildcats are the NCAA basketball national champions and the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl 52 champions. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.